0: I'm Cameron Strang, and welcome to Unedited. My guest today is Jason Petty, better known as poet, political activist, and MC, Propaganda. Coming up as a rapper and spoken word artist, Prop is now a leading voice in a wide spectrum of church streams. You'll see him on hip-hop tours, but then you'll see him at a church leadership conference. You'll see him speak at a conservative denominations event, but then you'll see him embraced by spiritual progressives, too. Propaganda's from inner city L.A., but he and I go to Montana every year. (laughs) He belongs nowhere and everywhere. And that's something we talk about today. That aspect of Prop's career shouldn't come as a surprise if you know his upbringing. His dad was a Black Panther, but then they moved and were the only Black family in a Spanish neighborhood. In L.A., that's a big deal. Prop had to adapt while also being proud of his own identity and heritage. It shaped him. He had to learn how to build bridges and be himself. And I think that's why he's so good at what he's doing today. Propaganda is one of those voices that you can't put into a box. He's a great artist, but he also challenges status quo and is an outspoken activist for the church to address issues we're facing today. We talk about a lot in the next hour. He tells me about growing up in L.A., about cultural identity, even his first trip to Africa that he just took. And yes how he finds himself at all these white conferences now, and what he thinks about that. It's a transparent look into the story and perspective of someone who's sitting at the intersection of a lot of things. We should all be listening to him. Without further ado, here's my conversation, my friend, Propaganda. dude, thanks for doing this. Yeah, dude. Are you kidding me? So the format, open
1: conversation, just like we're at dinner. That's it. Yeah. I was at, uh, I was at, what's his name? Carl's. Remember? Oh, that's right.
0: Well, that was before we launched the podcast though. I know. So he was, that was interesting because we were in LA for something else and he had just gotten on the view. I know. And he got into trouble. I know. I was there. (laughs) So he called me and he's like, Hey, do you? Hey, can we set the record straight? Can I talk to Relevant and like yeah. whatever? And I'm like, dude, we're in the same town right now. Let's go. Yeah. You and I drove out. Yep. We, sat there, and I was like, Prop, this isn't a normal conversation. But like, you hear it in the background. Yeah. Like, cause we didn't even know it was a podcast at that point. No. Yeah. It didn't exist. It was just like we were recording an interview with Carl, and it was like the three of us talking, mm. and then we had to edit you out. Yeah. I, was I like. Tried Why? To shut is, up. Who's that other guy? Yeah.
1: You mentioned it though. You're like, yeah, props, props here. Props
0: here. Yeah. You'll hear him every once in a while.
1: Yeah. But, dude, what are you doing in Orlando? I'm at a uh, conference, Um, a youth conference, which I haven't done in years, but uh, speaking, rapping. So why are you at a youth conference then? Because they booked me. (laughs) So it's for like a conservative like denomination, I believe so. I mean, I don't know much about the denomination. Unfortunately, like I hate to ruin the romantic view of like how people choose gigs, you know, the tours when you're booking your own tours, you think more about like where venue, city, each city. Yeah, yeah, who it is. But when just an offer comes in, you're just like, How yeah, much so, pay me? Right, <laughs> you know, summer, I'm not on tour, I need to, yeah, home. you know, and pay some rent, you know. So, um, I mean, don't get me wrong, like we do a little research, but like, you know, it's yeah, seemed fine. How do in he, Orlando? You okay, this is something that I'm glad there's mics in front of us, yes,
0: because we're friends, yes. But I haven't asked you this as a friend. So I'm going to ask you with tens of thousands of people listening. Great. You, every white Christian leadership church conference I go to Uh or see advertised, you're on the bill. Yeah. You are the black guy at the white
1: Christian conferences. Gee, thanks. (laughs) How do you feel about that? You know, it, here's the thing. Like I've never capitulated, I've never bit my tongue, I've never held back. I honestly don't know how it happens. I I I don't feel like I don't hold punches. I don't I make the music, I write the songs, I write the poems that I believe in. And I I don't know. I t- I don't, uh oh, you know, but it doesn't. It, like,
0: it, it, and your, your brand, your message, your art is different than the Christian radio. Oh, I have a, I mean, no offense, but like a Toby Mac urban song. And then there's yeah. like a black rapper on it and it's like kind of like white music. It's not. Yeah. Your lane isn't that. I don't, that, but you
1: keep showing up <laughs> at all these church events. I don't know how it happens or why. You know, and, and I'm like, so I don't bemoan it because, because I didn't, like I said, I didn't change my sound or my music for it. I would, I got there being myself, you know? So I feel like if I were to like purposefully made something for that market. Yeah, yeah. Something that would be like story. played on Christian radio. Yeah, or I'm saying like, I'm not on Christian radio. I mean, the buyers even, I met buyers. Sometimes you meet them at festivals and they're like, you're my favorite artist, but. I just can't, I can't play your music, you know? So I'm not on that. I've never done Winter Jam or Passion. Like I've never done any of these festivals. They're not going to book me, you know? So as, as far as a, a, a Christian market is concerned, as speaking of sheer industry, like as an industry term, I can't say I'm a Christian artist. I, 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 they won't, I'm not in the bookstores. They won't.
0: They I don't sell think my records stores exist anymore.
1: Yeah, if they did, They're you know. Wrong, right. They don't sell my record, you know. I'm not on the festivals. I don't know why. Yeah, it's not the it Christian works. music stuff you're on. It's yeah, the it's the Thinkers.
0: Christ, white Christian church. Here's the thing that I've always wondered. You walk into an event and you look at the crowd and you're the only black man there. Yeah. How does that make you feel? Are you going good? I have your ears no. or are you going, don't, I'm not token. Like what, what is, you, literally, no, what are because you thinking? It's
1: like, I can only say what I always say. So I feel like in a lot of ways, uh, uh, a, an event can book whoever they want. You have full access to, so that meant that y'all thought about choosing me and you already wrote the check, you know, and I've already got the deposit. If you didn't do your homework, I don't know what to tell you. You know what I'm saying? But if the the
0: lineup, hold on, if the lineup is like 15 white male speakers and then prop, do you see it as an opportunity or do you see it as like, oh, no, 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 I'm now, you're
1: using me. I to, feel like I can tell the difference. Okay, you could tell the difference. You know what I'm saying? And, and I mean that's what like Dave Spell was talking about when he, when he left. He was like, "I know laughs, and I know that laugh was different." You know what I'm saying? Okay. So you can you can there's a you can feel so you know the if the event difference. is
0: truly bring you in because the event DNA is about the message you bring, and you can tell if the white church thing is trying to say, "Hey, look, we're diverse because we brought
1: yeah. pop. Yeah, because there's plenty of other black dudes you can bring that'll play nice. You know what I'm saying? I just feel like I don't play nice. Like, I don't understand. That's where I'm honestly like, I don't understand why y'all think I'm, I'm like, I'm not, I, maybe because it's like, I'm not mad at you. You know what I'm saying? I'm just, I say what I say. I speak on what I speak on. I don't, I'm, I don't know how else to say it. Like, I'm not capitulating. Like, I'm not. I don't hold my tongue. So you should know what you're getting into. When I look at the audience, a lot of times I'm thinking to be fully transparent. I'm thinking ticket sales. I'm thinking merch. I'm thinking, how do I convert you into a fan to come to a concert or a podcast recording, whatever the case, a live event that I'm doing? How do I convert you into that? You know what I'm saying? So for me, It's uh, a lot of times, like again, I hate to ruin the romance, but like I'm clocking in. I'm just, I'm just clocking into work, you know. So if I if I'm just going to work, I what difference does it make? You know what I mean. So you see it as income, economic empowerment, your platform growing. Yeah, you're growing your platform because again, I'm not making stuff for this crowd. I'm making what I know I want to make. I'm saying what I know I want to say. So if you chose me to come out, no one is, let me say this. No one has ever sent an email saying, can prop not talk about this? Or can you kind of remember that this audience is, for well, no one's ever said that to me because had they said it, you I would just return their deposit. Interesting. Like, I'm not going to, well, I'm not going to do that. So, You know what I'm saying? I've
0: always wondered, like, honestly, in the Christian world, like, you know, the concern, you know, obviously Sunday morning is the most segregated hour in in America, right? And I, with Relevant, we are very intentional about diversity. Yeah. You know, like, we're looking at, like, the features and we're going gender equality. We're looking at racial representation. We're making sure that everybody... Mm-hmm. sees somebody in our magazine they connect with. yeah, And then they say, okay, well, this is my magazine. Yeah. And then maybe they'll be open to other views and perspectives, totally. right? So it has been something since day one that we're mm-hmm. intentional about. Then the bad version of what's going on in the church right now is like our white congregation, white event, whatever, we're going to throw a token minority into yeah. the mix so then we can say we're not all white.
1: Yeah. I mean, I definitely like, we do some internal work to kind of like see who else is there. And I check for, I mean, yeah, like this is true. I do check for, is there a woman? Is there other colors? Like it can't just be like, you can't that black dude and call it diverse. Are there Latinos? Are there Asians? Right. Are there, you know, LGBTQ? Like who's on the stage? You know what right. I'm saying? So I definitely check for that. And the thing is like, um, there's, a, there's a wing of like conservative white evangelicals that I'm not invited to you know, that, that don't bring me, you know? And I just feel like a lot of ways they sort of self-selected, like they've kind of, they've opted out already. You know what I'm saying? Um, The parts of the world that doesn't want to hear what I have to say is not going to offer me a show, you know? So, so I know if you've, if it's like a, you know, like an inquiry, you hunted me down. You know I'm saying? Like you, I didn't ask to be here. You came to me. So I have no choice but to assume you've done your homework, right? Why, why else would you? When there's bigger names, you know what I'm saying? There's other black and brown people with much larger platforms than me that you could bring in. So, Do you see your platform shifting in the sense
0: that you were a spoken word artist, then you were an MC, mm-hmm. and now you're speaking more. I am speaking a lot more. These Do things. you see yourself, your like, you're calling evolving?
1: Yeah, I think it's more coming into fruition and as far as like the cogs kind of finally coming together. Like I've always sort of had this like sort of three-legged stool kind of approach thing where they all kind of had to be there for all of them to work, right? Because like the type of hip-hop I did and do is you know it's it's not mainstream you know what i'm saying um sonically i'm not saying like content but just sonically like i'm i'm just like it's not turn up it's not trap you know what i'm saying it's not that you know what i mean so i already knew that like the music on its own is just sonically not for everybody right and then you choose something like poetry, which is already its own niche. You know what I'm saying? But what made the music so unique was the fact that I was a poet also. What made the poetry so unique was the fact that I was also a rapper. You know what I'm saying? And then you put on that, like being an educator or a speaker, what makes me so unique without a, like, I mean, the only book I ever published was a poetry book. It was poetry and photography. So as a speaker, without a, without a published book, what makes it unique is he's a rapper and a poet also. So... The three kind of always work together, but they were all, none of them were really balanced and none of the worlds kind of talk to each other. You know what I'm saying? I'm seeing now all of them coming together and people go understanding and they're like, oh, this is a, he's a multifaceted person. You know what I'm saying? Do
0: you, you, you watch a lot of your peers, guys you were in groups with or toured mm-hmm. with and they're, pl- you know. Some of the guys are filling arenas. Some yeah. of the guys are like, you know, they're rapping. They're, you know, th- yeah. it's escalating. And you've got this multifaceted thing, yeah. this other lane. What are your thoughts about that?
1: I mean, it, it don't like, yeah, my competitive streak or just like, or just, it's some, you're, you're, you're always, you're going to, it's never enough tickets. You know, you're never selling enough tickets. So, like, I, I try to remember that that's, just the heart of humans, you know what I'm saying? That it'll never be enough. But of course, like sometimes I'm like, man, I wish that, like I wish the rap would have worked to the level that it works for them. Do you ever second guess like, okay,
0: if I would stop if I preaching just with, at Christian leadership conferences, and if I stopped doing the spoken word and I just focused on the rap, I could be more successful? No,
1: nah, I think I don't think it's that per se. I think it's more like it would be more like Had I stayed in, well, I guess if I'd have stayed in, you know, lane A, you know, maybe taking one less like opener slot, you know what I'm saying? And like, just like, I needed, I just, I just needed that, like that easy money check, you know what I'm saying? For that season, you know, for that spring, had I been like, nah, dude, like you have to headline, you have to do this, you have to go to these things, you know what I'm saying? Um, that, yeah, I probably would have been further down the road with like my own sort of decentralized audience, you know what I'm saying, I think that's the that yeah, so I, well, I guess the answer would be yes, like I feel like my audience for so years for so many years has been so decentralized that it's been really hard, and that's something that management is like focusing on the most for me is like centralize the group, like get the base in one place, you know what I mean. Um, Cause like your, your spoken word fans Want more
0: of that Like stop speaking Stop rapping and We want more of that Your yeah. rap fans say Stop doing the other stuff We want yeah. more rap Your speaking fans are like oh, Stop doing the music I'll just like Bring your message Yeah And you can't
1: please Any of your followers No <laughs> Which is like stupid me You know what I mean um, But why do you do it then Because it is me I, I, I honestly I, I, I would not be I would not be bringing My full self If I didn't do that You know what I'm saying Um, and I'm counting on and banking on the world that gets that, you know what I'm saying? Um, and, uh, yeah, I just, I know I wouldn't be my full self. Identity is a big part of you.
0: When did you get the clarity that you just said that that is who I am? I'm not this, I'm not that, I'm this, and I will turn down opportunity. I will turn down certain platforms because yeah. i need to be true to who i am when did that happen for you
1: man i honestly think i don't know if i can point at a moment but i think that it's been sort of like the low-end hum tone that's just been following me forever you know what i'm saying in the sense of like you're already growing up you know inner city Los Angeles but on the Latino side of town you know what I'm saying so you're already this like I know I'm here but I know I'm slightly different than everything else you know what I'm saying and then going to a suburban high school it's kind of the same thing which was very diverse you know which is sort of a misnomer about the suburbs especially in California like it's actually remarkably diverse like I we had Samoans we had Tongans Filipino we had Immigrants, you know what I'm saying? Well, it's like California, it's California, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so you think the suburbs is like, oh, it's white? I was like, it's actually remarkably not. You yeah. know what I'm saying? But um, all that to say, you know that like, hey, I'm 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 this with an asterisk. Like, so you already feel this sense of I'm kind of different. You know what I'm saying? And. And even when you try to say, you know, I'm using high school like examples, but like, I can't just sit at this lunch table, like, cause I feel like there's a part of me dying, you know? Um, so I just think that that kind of been a, has been a hum. And then you go on, and then, yeah, so then you start being a professional, you're going on tour, and you just feel like there's like, oh, dope, that's my lane. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go like rock, do some shows with these dudes. But then there's like, After the show, you want to talk about other things. You want to go like I want to go visit a coffee shop, and like no one's interested in the rest of what I'm interested in. Then you're like, "Man, there's got to be people that want to talk about this." And then you go do. So you feel limited, like if the crowd was
0: all hip hop kids, you're like, "But there's so much more." Like, what about? Yeah, not even the crowd.
1: I'm not even not even the crowd per se, but like the people I'm on the road with, you know oh, I mean? Yeah, it's yeah. what they want to do, what they're interested in, what they're passionate about. Like when I do like, like, cause to my DNA, I'm a hip hop fan, like to my bones, you know, I love hip hop, you know what I'm saying? Um, but I also love poetry, you know what I'm saying? And I also, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, I, you, 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 wanna, you wanna do this and you're like, man, there's gotta be this, another room of people that would scratch this itch too. But that room has no interest in hip hop. And you're just like, God, this is, but there's, something's not right here either. You know what I'm saying? So, so everywhere you go, you feel like you don't fit in. Yeah. So you're just like, I, there has to be a third way. And it's like, and I know I can't be the only one that feels this. Hmm. Nobody's, nobody's like playlists are only one thing. No one's is. You know what I'm saying? But for some reason, we built markets that believe that you know what i'm saying like why which is what i did the last two years like uh, last or the last year i told myself i was not going to tour with the hip hop act i was like the, every tour i'm going to do is going to be out of my genre because that's how our phones look like that's your playlist you don't just have rap on your playlist so i was like so i did the kings kaleidoscope tour i did the tour with gunger and the brilliance i did the tour with joseph solomon We're just like we're going to do other music i'm going to make a room that looks more like how our headphones actually sound.
0: But that, for you, that started when you were a kid. It you, started when I was a kid, yeah. You grew up a
1: black kid in a Spanish neighborhood. Yeah, you just like, and there's there's a lot that I felt kinship with, a lot that I agreed with, a lot that I now feel legitimately bicultural. But I still came home to this house with the Timbuktu road on the wall and the five kings of, of Ghana, Mali, and Songhai and, you know, and my father being a Black Panther, I still came home to this black house. You know what I'm saying? Why Why was your Black Panther father, why was
0: your house in a Spanish neighborhood then? That surprises me. I know, Not right? for you, yeah. but like that he chose that location for the family. Uh, Prices.
1: Cause, <laughs> for real?
0: Because in LA, yeah. I mean, as we've talked about a lot, you don't cross that street. Yeah. this is This is a... So-and-so yes. neighborhood, that's a so-and-so neighborhood.
1: Yeah, some of that was just like the neighborhood became Hispanic. You know what I'm saying? Okay. So just understanding how migration works, there was there was some of it that was that. Like it wasn't always a Latino neighborhood. It okay. became it, you know. Okay. Why? And then there. my our specific, like the specific street that I'm thinking about was on the border of sort of where South Central ended and this area called Huntington Park started, right? so that blend was where the black neighborhood stopped and the latino neighborhood started so and some of that was not, some of that was just for the latino you know it was just functional to where it was like the signs are in spanish here so i we stay here because i understand what's happening you know what i'm saying and um for the black neighborhood it was just this is just south central was just historically black you know and then just migration happened and for Latinos it was like well we can afford houses in this area as Latinos moved in to the historically black neighborhood where did the black families go two places they went north to like Palmdale and Lancaster where Paul George Paul George (laughs) oh gosh (laughs) that's just a whole other story and that's like an hour and a half north of LA yeah it's pretty far or they went an hour and a half east to the Inland Empire um which is where Kawhi Leonard's from that's funny. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah. So so that's where that's where and our family like eventually migrated to the Inland Empire. Really? Yeah. That's where I went to high school. Was was that's why I was like in the burbs. Like I went to high school out there. But almost but almost all of the black and Latinos that got pushed out ended up there anyway. So it was just a whole world of just these like L.A. and San Gabriel Valley kids. In the Inland Empire. Gotten transplanted. Just got transplanted, yeah. And so,
0: was it that gentrification was happening to the the Latino neighborhoods, and then they
1: migrated toward the black neighborhoods? And then... I don't think it was gentrification. It was more just... It was immigration. Oh, like Just legit immigration. You know what I'm saying? Um, And there
0: was only certain neighborhoods that these immigrants could really afford afford, or go to. And then that's what's, what was pushing out the black family.
1: Yeah. And, you know, we started seeing uh, the birth of a black middle class, at least in LA. You know what I'm saying? We're like, now there's, you know, it was never Jim Crow state. So, like, you know, there's now there's a little beginnings of like generational. So, when you look at like the Crenshaw district, like um, Crenshaw, Ladera Heights, like Baldwin Hills, there's parts of like LA, there's, they're actually, they're, they're black, but they're actually affluent. You know what I mean? So, it's like these are, these are UCLA grads. These are like, you know, judges, lawyers, doctors. These are like, you know, middle to upper middle class black families. They could stay because there was there was a, a good amount of wealth. Sadly, my only knowledge of that is
0: HBO Show Insecure. Yeah. Where I, I got exposed to that. Yeah. Like, that's... like I mean, it, what's great about that show mm-hmm. is that it shows the the full spectrum of kind yeah. of the black experience in LA and yeah. they're, uh, they showed those neighborhoods of yeah. beautiful homes yeah. and hills and gorgeous landscaping. And yeah. you know, this is still a black neighborhood, yeah, but it's, it's a wealthy. Fluent. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> I lived East of that. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Now I had cousins that were over on, you know, Western Crenshaw, like over there that were, you know, doing a little better than us. So the idea was at least for our family was like, okay, we could go push further into LA into the Crenshaw district. Cause now like you get a tax return, you know, there's two, you got two working parents, we can afford some more space. Right. So you could go into Crenshaw and live in Roland 60 Crip neighborhood in this big old house. You know what I'm saying? Like what, what good is that? Like for our family, it's like, we have a son now and a mm-hmm. son is about to hit recruiting age so why would we get this nice house just to still put him in the center of our family's gang activity, right? So they're like, well, how about we get out and still get this house? You know what I'm saying? So that was the, the plan for us. Where it was like, so we just moved further east. We went 20 minutes east to, that's why you hear me always talk about like West Covina, La Puente, like that because we moved east to the 626, um, which was be, also... Primarily Latino, um, so it, we just moved further into Latin neighborhoods, and a lot of that was like strategic, where it's just like our family, our family are Crips, you know what I'm saying? So like, let's get out of that, you know what I mean?
0: Why do you think America is like you're talking about these neighborhoods and and identity and stuff? So we were just saying like it's not about just socioeconomic. You know, kind of groupings of people, mm-hmm. I mean, like the affluent black neighborhoods, yeah and stuff. that affluent area with beautiful homes, why isn't that racially mixed? Why is America so like I've been watching the sopranos, I told you last, yes, time. like, and like that whole thing is like literally like no we we stay with our people in our neighborhood, yeah, why do you feel like we're like that? Why are we so tribal like that?
1: man, I think I mean, I can only speak from our experience, I think that. Some of it is just comfort and familiarity where it's like, it's not to the exclusion of others. It's just more like, I know this, this is familiar. You know, for example, when, uh, when Alma, my wife, was going through her, like the coursework for her PhD program, we were in South Orange County, which is very affluent, but it's also very Asian, right? But when we were there, little things like we need to buy tortillas, I couldn't just walk to the store to go get tortillas. You know what I'm saying? I need a hair grease. Like, I had to drive back into LA, you know what I'm saying? Just to buy some just normal basic things, seasoning for chicken or, or catfish. Like, the store didn't have what I needed, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I just think in some senses, because the, the, because the grocery store was Korean. That was a Korean grocery store, you know, so... I just think some of it is just functional and familiarity. You know what I'm saying? Like when you're in the Crenshaw district, we can, oh we can go get we can go get hair like extended ha- hair extensions. You can go. I can go buy some incense. You know what I'm saying? Like all this stuff that I know I'm gonna need for my house is already there. If you are in Boyle Heights or East LA, you know what I'm saying like the seasonings for carne asada. Like I can walk and get it. You know. So I think some of it is just like. Comfort you know what I mean mm-hmm. um, and then uh, and then others is like it has to do with yeah geopolitics and redlining and just a history of making sure like by the institutions that y'all stay over there because we don't want you in our
0: I just feel like I mean obviously it's been systemic in American history mm-hmm. for hundreds of years that us versus them, yeah, but it's like, what can we do then? What can we do to break out of that? Or you're talking about neighborhood and identity and pride. Do we need to break out of that?
1: Yeah, I think, you see, I, I, think, I think there's, a, there's a, a, a good and then a shadow of tribalism. You know what I'm saying? I think tribalism kept us alive in a lot of ways, hmm. you know, where I just know if this person speaks the same language that we can trade or you're not going to poison me. Like I can trust that when you pick up this plant and say, Hey, you can eat this, you know, okay, I can trust that I can actually eat it. You know what I'm saying? Um, I'm now obviously I'm going back to like caveman styles, you know what I'm saying? But then within the States, like, you know, the idea of like, just the collective, just suffering experience of just black Americans, like, the tribalism kept us alive. Like we, the Underground Railroad, like, Mm -hmm. you know, the, the Green Book that y'all saw a movie on was like, if you know what the Green Book is, it's hotels that you can stay in when you're traveling across the country. You know what I'm saying? Right. So like that, there's the, the part that kept us alive. Right. Um, I think the shadow of it is when we draw fences around Mm -hmm. things around lines that are sort of uninformed or inherently racist like so when you draw a fence around something to say that this so this the reason i'm drawing this line is clearly racist you know that's where the shadow starts coming in you know and,
0: ra- and racist and
1: racism is those people i look down on yeah because, because that there's there's some sort of Biological problem, just eugenics, a like prejudice. There's against. a biological prejudice. You know what I'm saying? That because it's not saying like they're different than me,
0: and I'm more comfortable with what I'm familiar with. You're not saying that that's the issue. You're no. saying that the racism is the problem. Is when I say they're not as good as me.
1: Yeah, there's something I am superior to them uh-huh. because of A, B, C, and D.
0: And that's just not white looking down on black. That's like even within the Hispanic and Latino community, they,
1: there's there's a country good amount of discrimination among among Latino community also. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, like, I I mean, I'm careful when I say discrimination specifically because, you know.
0: Yeah, it's not necessarily overt, but there's a bias.
1: Yeah, there's definitely a bias. You know what I'm saying? Um, That, again, I think starts off, could start off in just a term of like, collectively, we're just more safe. You know what I mean? And then evolves into this like, you know, there's a smoke monster outside, you know what I mean? And like, they're going to bring this. And then you start, you know, just this seven steps in genocides. Like then you start referring to them as something less than human, you know what I'm saying? And they're vermin, they're animals, they're rats coming in, you know what I'm saying? So like they're bring, they're bringing their worst, you know, all that stuff is like, that's, yeah. this, that's the, that's the shadow of the tribalism. Fear, yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's birthed out of just sort of this fear And this uh, horrible prejudice towards the other, you know, verbiage matters. Yes. Yes. So,
0: is the dream then, as a white man at your Christian conferences, your white Christian conferences, (laughs) as as maybe sometimes the only black man at the white Christian conferences, is the dream that old '80s United Colors of Benetton type dream of the rainbow? Or is there something in your experience coming from LA where it's so neighborhood driven? Is there something positive? in the tribal component. Like, do we want a future? And I'm asking your opinion. Hmm. Do you want a future where all the neighborhoods are blended, everybody's equal, socioeconomic status doesn't matter, racial status doesn't matter. It is all like I'm as close to an Asian family as I am a Latino family as I am a black family as a white family. Or is there something to be said about community?
1: man I think it's both and okay. I think there's a there's a space for both and I think there's a space for a it's like it's like yeah imagining a world that didn't have the stain of like patriarchy and imperialism and and racism that doesn't have that it's almost even hard to imagine a world that doesn't have that's not colored by those things you know what I'm saying so because if it wasn't, then even your own sort of embodied self-hate you know what I mean in view of yourself and your others where you like where in your own community you see your own beauty you know what I'm saying and um and don't feel like either a I have to stay among my own to uplift my own because they so terrible or I don't want to go over there because they're dangerous like Whatever the case may be, a lot of those things are colored by forces that were that we just happen to be born into. You know what I'm saying? So, like, if so, let's just say, like, if the you know the Korean community in Koreatown didn't have to form Koreatown for their safety and survival, if they didn't have to do it for that, they just did it for we just understand each other. You know what I'm saying? And me if I don't feel like their presence here is somehow a threat to my safety, Mm -hmm. like when we can remove those elements, then I could look at their community and go, oh, that's, that's dope that they're able to like, that's cool, man. They're celebrating their heritage. That's awesome. Hey, can I come over? You know what I'm saying? And if they get to go, yeah, you're welcome to this, right? Rad. But if, or they still have the right to be like, actually bro, like, Hey, there's some, there's just some family stuff that we feel like. What
0: if, what if they're like, so Korea town. So let's say, you know like man we love these restaurants we love these shops we want to you know w- racial diversity let's let's embrace Koreatown and then Koreatown becomes racially mixed and isn't Koreatown anymore they lose part of their identity in their community right totally so that's maybe why they don't want outsiders and it's I not get because it, you don't want to lose yourself. Because, yeah because it's not biased like I you're worse than me it's like protecting the identity that they have. So I think
1: that like, there's again, there's a motif that says that the, the scarcity that like my presence is going to erase yours. Right. And what I'm saying is even as an outsider, you have to have the mentality that like, I, I am, I do not have the right to insert myself into every space. Right. So for example, I have, two daughters right and and a wife and there are times that my wife has a couple friends over and then my daughter my older daughter has a couple friends over so I'm in a house it's there's 11 women in my house right and 11 women are going to talk about women things you know what I'm saying and there are times that like I'm not annoyed well sometimes I am but sometimes I'm like I'm not annoyed. I just feel like <clears throat> excuse me. I just feel like I have nothing to add to this conversation. This conversation is not for me, right? So, I don't need I don't need to insert myself in it because it's not for me. This is not because I feel like I'm better or worse or I mean or I just feel like I should respect their space, right? Until I'm invited in. Sometimes I do want to add stuff, but I realize, like, you're not talking to me. This is not for me. And I just, I don't, in in the same way that, like, if someone sees me, I refer to my wife as, like, babe. Just because I refer to my wife as babe don't mean you get the right to refer to her as babe. That's you not in this. That is not your space, mm-hmm. right? So I just feel like I... Have that understanding, and that I feel like I I I have that respect for others. If it's if it's not mine to be there, that's fine. You have the right to say that. You know what I'm saying? Now, this doesn't mean I don't want it. This doesn't mean I don't love. Like you know, I live next to Little Tokyo. I don't mean I love. I don't love being able to like go in there and get some ramen noodles. You feel me? And kick it because I'm fascinated by culture and stuff like that. But like, I also if my presence is going to make you lose that, I don't want you to lose it. So let's, cool. let's step back and talk about specifically,
0: again, LA is very interesting in the yeah. the, the racial division of neighborhoods and gentrification and mm-hmm. Brooklyn would be the same and stuff. Yeah. Where you were a black family in a Spanish neighborhood. Yeah. So it's not you guys visiting the Spanish neighborhood to have dinner. Mm-hmm. You moved in. We just lived here. Yeah. Right. So, and and that's an issue with you know, hipsters moving into yeah. historically lower income black neighborhoods mm-hmm. and tournament and stuff. It's kind of like gentrification is an issue because yeah. there's a loss of identity and community that's in, in, inevitable. But at the same time, like you're, you were a black family yeah. living in a Spanish neighborhood.
1: Is it wrong for the, White kid who can't afford anything else to move into the black neighborhood. Not at all. Not at all. And because gentrification and migration are two different things. Okay. Gentrification is a, is a very violent sort of, of uh, almost like a very colonial sort of takeover of land take, and resources. Okay. Okay. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah, I get that. Which is a very different process than just natural than just migration. the normal migration of families. You know what I'm
0: saying? Because um, we were talking last night, like there's entire parts of LA that in the last 15 years That are just have not flipped. what they are. Yeah. 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 So and, that's, that's, and you're saying that's not necessarily a bad thing for the city. In some respects it is. Yeah. So what's, what's the answer?
1: Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So I, that's what I'm saying. I think that gentrivation is a very specific way to look at just the normal changings of communities. You know what I'm saying? Um, that have to do with forces that are, whether it's like job security, job placement, you know, corporations, like, not in a bad way, but just like, yeah, like if a Walmart moves in, if somebody builds a Walmart, you know, four blocks from you, there is now economic opportunity here. So people are going to move in. You know what I'm saying? Um, Now, did that Walmart knock down 17 houses, right? Build a parking lot on the next block and then open up, you know, ramen noodle fusion stuff. You know what I'm saying? I'm saying these things that are like now economically and I keeps using the word violently, but like, I mean it like violently creating an environment that is now hostile to the local, right? But, but if I'm living there and
0: there's, you know, a crime, and there's no real retail. There's mm-hmm. like it's it's uh it's an economically depressed reality. Yeah. And a Walmart comes in and boosts like now I can walk four blocks and afford nice things, whatever. It's great. It makes my life better as a local. It's great.
1: So there's but, the tension. This, right? That's what I'm saying. But those these are very these are those are two very different things because one has the community in mind. Okay. Right. The other does not have the community in mind. Okay. The other has the land and the resources in mind. Okay, right? Like,
0: what, what, like I, like somebody looked at almost like a a satellite map and said, "Ooh, look at the demo. We can take over this. Oh area my gosh! And Houses look, are. Yeah. It's in between this great area and that great area. We will turn this into a blended great yes. area and push out what's there. We don't care yeah. about what's there. Uh, the other mindset is." There's a historic community here. That's in need. How can we go in and help elevate it?
1: Yeah, that's in need. Or who's already in there doing stuff? You know, if I really care about this, how can we get behind what's already happening? It's almost like what Nipsey Hussle did. It's exactly what he did.
0: Yeah. It's like for us, by us.
1: Exactly what he did. But it's not,
0: I want to keep things how they are. I want to elevate and empower and raise up. But doesn't that inevitably then... Then the next phase is, oh, there's economic prosperity starting to happen, even though it's community driven mm-hmm. and other larger. Now, Starbucks goes in on the corner across from Nipsey's.
1: Shop or Starbucks Starter. doesn't. And that Nipsey's corner invests into the donut shop that's across the street, mm-hmm. which sloss and donuts. Like, so you, or there's that. So it's like, no, we actually don't want a Starbucks. We're going to pour money into this one so they can have craft coffee. You know what I'm saying? So that's a difference. So you, once you have that economic security, you can say, I don't want a Starbucks here.
0: So then the question comes up.
1: Or you say local? you do want a Starbucks. It's up to the community. That's what I'm saying. Because yeah.
0: like, like, maybe Starbucks coffee, which has global resources, is going to be better than whatever the local guy could afford to
1: bring us as a neighborhood. Maybe. And maybe. Or so maybe so not. Maybe it's, we want the Starbucks. That's what I'm saying. So yeah. like, But when you put it up to the community, yeah. that's a different story. You know? How do you do that? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I guess people vote with their
1: dollars. Yeah, I mean, if the community yeah, totally. don't want the Starbucks, they don't shop there, and it goes out of business. Totally. You know, that would be the yeah. answer, I
0: guess. That That's capitalism, though.
1: I mean, it is. I'm not, like, I mean, capitalism has its problems. I'm not anti-capitalism. I mean, that's how I feed my children. You know what I'm saying? hmm
0: <laughs> So identity. Identity is yeah. a big thing with you. Like, again, yeah, yeah. I'm kind of, like, when I see you on stage at these white pastor conferences, I'm like, they brought him in because he has a strong black identity. And then, you know, part of it is like, are they, are they using him? Like, just to kind of say, look, at, we're diverse. Mm-hmm. Or are they actually
1: saying, we need to hear what he has to say? Yeah. I mean, I think that there's like... This, again, I think it's both and. I think there's, there's a certain amount of... Do you, of you ever meaning. feel used? I do sometimes. Okay. But like, sometimes I feel used and and in say, a way okay. that's normal. Like, this is a our relationship, this relationship's transactional. I know it is. You know what I'm saying? So I don't expect anything from y'all. You know what I'm saying? Except for you to, I am rendering a service to you. You are rendering a payment for my service, right? So I have no emotional investment in this moment at all. I'm going to clock in. I'm going to do good work, right? Um, You're getting something. I'm getting something. Fine, right? Hmm. Then there's then there's the exploitative version of that right that's right that's where so it seems like there's a line yeah so and i feel like there's been there's been a few times that i was like all right i'm being exploited you know that and those 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 relationships have been cut off you know um but sometimes it's like unfortunately it's like i had to get in the room to notice Hmm. you know um others you could kind of smell from a mile away like in a in a um and unfortunately again we're talking capitalism like i can know by the offer right when you send the first like booking request i can tell by what you're offering me and how much work you're asking me to do and what you're asking me to do i can tell if you're about to exploit me or not you know um cuz you could just tell if you're valued you know what i mean um and certain things just ring of value you know uh there are times that it's like, hey, you know, hey, we want to book you to, you know, perform side stage at lunch while everybody's eating, you know, for this much money. And then after that, I was wondering if you could come to this panel. And then after that, can you talk to our staff and kind of walk this? So I was like, okay, you want me to do your homework. You want me to catch you up on 500 years of history, right? Mm-hmm. Which meant that you haven't done yours. And, in those, in those, and with those things what we usually reply is a book list. It's like, okay, finish these books, right? Do your homework, and then next year, if you still want me after you've done your homework, then we can talk, right? Um, go listen to this podcast, listen to this, listen to this. Do your homework, you know, um, because I'm not, I'm not gonna do it for you. I'm not gonna sit down with your pastoral staff and teach you, no, you do it. You could do it. The resources are there already. So you, you, you know, you know what I'm saying? Because you're asking me to do too much. You're asking me to do stuff that you could have done on your own, mm. right? Um, that's, the, for the, me, that's how the I The
0: good it. version of it is they're genuinely saying, we've gotten it wrong. We need to learn, come in, challenge us. That's the good version the of good it. Version, the good version would bad, be- The bad version yeah, is-
1: The good version is, we've done our homework- Oh, crap. Yeah, we got it wrong. We got it wrong. We got to pivot, yeah. We've learned about A, B, C, D, E, F, and G. Yeah. Can you come lead our congregation your or our conference? And I'm like, oh, okay, that's a different story. You know what I'm saying? So the tokenism thing of like the side stage at lunch and nobody's paying attention. I'm not going to do that. Yeah. You recently went to Africa. I did. Ooh. Tell me about it. Bro. You guys want to hear me cry on a podcast? <laughs> So I went with Food for the Hungry, um, Super Rad org. Uh They're getting behind my next record. And so the Red Couch stuff, they're really going to start supporting that. Um, but it started off with just a tweet where I was just like, I want to go to Ethiopia. It's so crazy. Like star power. Hey, you know what I'm saying? Um, for a number of reasons. Like one is I think my sixth grade like book report, country report was on Ethiopia, you know, it, that was my first like, and, and that's where your heritage is. That's what we believe. That's where the story got crazy because, like, I would get mistaken for Ethiopian all the time. I mean, I don't know. I'm gonna probably do a DNA test pretty soon. Yeah, like, kind of need to. Yeah,
0: twenty three and me, ninety nine bucks.
1: Yeah. Um. So I would I would get mistaken for it all the time. My mom's from Washington D.C. is a very big Ethiopian Somali like Ethiopian like population in D.C. So. I would get mistaken for it. And when I went to college, I remember, you know, running into a young lady who I remember I was in college. I was like, she is gorgeous. And then she walked over to me and spoke in her native language to me. And I was like, crap, dude, I just lost my chances with this girl (laughs) because I didn't know what she was saying. You know what I mean? And her and her friends, and they were all like, wait, you're not like, you're not Ethiopian. Like just were flabbergasted that I wasn't, you know? And I was like, that's crazy. First time I set foot soil on Africa is the same thing. Like I was on the plane and this lady sat down and was like, you're not a Fulani from East Africa? And I was like, no, maybe, you know? And she was like, no, you're absolutely like just convinced. So I told my mom that story. My mom was like, oh my gosh, my whole life. I asked my cousins, they were like, yeah, all the time. They, My cousins and from DC, they were like all the time. Ethiopians think I'm Ethiopia. So I was like, I have to go just to see if I'm in the country if the same thing happens. And I'm telling you, like, waiters would like, would take the orders from everybody else and then turn to me and ask me to translate for them. And I'm like, I'm sorry, what? And they were like, What, wait, what? Like, blown away. We're walking into the airport and they're checking everybody's passports. They look at me and go, Salem, and just like, don't even check my passport. (laughs) So I, I I kept having these moments seeing double gangers of like or doppelgangers of like that's my Aunt Ethel. Oh my god, that's my Aunt Norma. Oh my yeah. god, that's my grandma. That's my cousin Carol. That's but you know just like you and it they turned out to all be sort of like from the northern region of Ethiopia when I started asking like my host like where is that where is they were like oh they're northern. So specifically it's not even just North Africa. No. It's like northern northern region, region of Ethiopia looks like my family.
0: And you know, for 99 bucks, you could just like um, absolutely leave me alone. 100%. So I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Cheap, I'm going to do cheaper it. Cheaper than flying there. Just yes. FYI. Just I know, <laughs>
1: Right. So, you know, we saw some of the work, like some of the community development and just like economic, like a uh, uh, sort of growth um, empowerment and stuff that, that they were doing there. Um, and, getting a bunch of footage for my next, like, book and album. <laughs> my next book and album. Uh, getting stuff like that, all that together. And then, of course, my love for coffee. It was like, this is oh, yeah. this is ground zero. So... How long were you there? I was there for about a week, yeah. And over a week. Was
0: it life-changing? Was it, like... Besides I was just saying, like, I felt... Did you, like
1: seeing people that look like you did you feel a
0: connection to the land i mean did you feel there was
1: yeah there were moments where we'd walk into a village and i'd lock eyes with like well, it wasn't like a village village it was more like a town town you know what i mean um you'd walk in and i'd lock eyes with like an old lady and she would smile and it would freak me out because i was like this years this is my grandma you know and hugged and we talked for a little bit through translators and she would say things like, Oh my son, my son, you know, Oh, you're, you're, you're my son. You're welcome home. Like without me telling them that I had all this past, like they would say things like that. And I would just like melt, like, you know, just this, like tying the dot, tying these loose strings that it's just up until modern times was impossible to tie. You know what I mean? Um, so it was that, there was, like, and maybe, maybe I just had, like, just a cognitive awareness, but, like, I don't have a sweet tooth. Like, I have a, I'm not a sweet tooth, Kind of have a salt tooth, right? So, like, I'll come home and pop popcorn. Like, you know, I'm going to go to middle of the afternoon, and I'm like, oh, ah, it's popcorn, right? And, again, if you know Ethiopia, like, when you have your coffee, you do your coffee ceremony, you do make coffee, you pop popcorn with it. And I just, like, did that, did this, did this, Salt craving of popcorn follow me from the 1500s. You know what I'm saying, all the way to now, like just moments like that where you're just like, "How is this? How is this happening?" You know what I mean? Um, do you do you feel? well you okay? August 29th
0: is the 400th anniversary of the first slave ship coming to the U.S. Yeah, coming to North America. Mm-hmm. It's a big deal. Very. And you're walking around what a ninety-nine dollar test will confirm for
1: you. Okay, right right me but do, you're walking okay,
0: okay. around feeling like this home. might be it. Yeah. And do
1: you were you like feeling like this was ripped away from me? Yes, I feel like I was robbed. I absolutely. But I've I've always felt like that. I felt like I was robbed because let me tell you why. Well, I mean, you know why, but like. If I'm in, my wife is first-gen Mexican. She knows her region, her language, her customs, the ruins. Like, where, where in, in southern Mexico and Acapulco, like, there's, there's, like, Mayan ruins. Like, these temples, just, like, a few blocks from her grandma's house that, like, when I went to go meet her grandma, we just walked through, and I'm like, you're standing in, thousands of years of who you are, right? Her grandfather, who had passed away by the time we got there, but I met his grandfather, her grandfather's sister. And they are as black as I am. You know what I'm saying? So I'm like, well, that Acapulco was a part of the slave trade. So I'm like, mm-hmm. you know, so you, like the, you know, the, the triangle. Like, so like, I'm like, you have African and indigenous Blood that you know, and you can point at it and say, This is our custom, this is what we've discovered, this is what this there's a tie, your story is tied together, you know what I'm saying? And you understand your migration to America. You understand your tie to Los Angeles, why Huntington Park, Boyle Heights, East LA, you understand all that. You notice know this is, this is our language, this is our customs, this is who we are, right? The closest I have is Mississippi, is a slave ship, you know what I'm saying? It's and, and then blues, jazz, hip hop, gospel, all of these experiences, these things, these customs that just came out of suffering. You know what I'm saying? That we were able to build treasure out of trash that I'm so proud of, that I, that's such a great part of who I am. But there's a loose end, you know what I mean? So I've always felt like Africa's the second largest landmass on the planet. You can't just say you're African thousands of different people groups there. You know what I'm saying? So I'm like, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. You know what I mean? And when you're a part of something, and it's not like it was just, it, the, the only comparison I could think of is like, you know, so you take your, your, your white American, right? You may, you may be just a European mutt. You know, it is what it is, right? You know, it's Dutch, Irish, you know what I'm saying? But it's like, the loss of that history wasn't on purpose. That wasn't a systematic, purposeful erasure of your past. That just happened because of time. It's just normal atrophy and moving of people. You know what I'm saying? Like, as an African, that was on purpose. Like, we're trying to erase your culture, or trying to erase your history. You know what I'm saying? I'm trying to. So when you know that it was purposeful, there's a part of you that feels like,
0: this sucks. You know what I'm saying? Most white migration came because of religious persecution between, you know, Catholicism and Protestants, things things like that. But, and maybe it was a horrible situation. You know, obviously, even Jewish history, you know, they're coming, they're running from, but they were coming to America as a positive step. Yeah,
1: for their own, on their own volition yeah. for a desire to better their life.
0: That's right. Yeah. They're leaving something negative,
1: whereas Africa was the opposite. It, it was like, put into something, you know what I'm saying? Negative. Yeah. yeah. And, and I mean, I, don't, I say this not to bemoan my past because like, I love, like we talk about identity, I love who I am. I love what I've become. I love what God has made me. You know what I'm saying? I love, I love every drip of blood inside me and all that made me what I am. Like I don't bemoan any of that but I would love to be able to tie it all together, you know? And um, I mean, just like this, just our like new obsession with, I'm going to say new, but just like our obsession with the Enneagram, you know what I'm saying? Um, which never got out of style in South America. Let's just slide that there. But uh, knowing those things and just like how ferociously and insatiably hungry we are to know ourselves, you know, that's what's what the enneagram is. We're trying to understand ourselves, you know, dude. Me too, you know. And if you have a huge chunk, you have a huge chunk of who you are just missing on purpose, you know. That's it's, it's Take hard it. to not Take feel like it. it's, it's not it. just
0: missing. It was taken, taken. Yeah, yeah.
1: It's hard. It's hard to think about that. The the
0: thing that strikes me when I travel to the Middle East to Africa, like you're talking about, like it's not it's not African. It's not North African. It's not Ethiopian.
1: Mm-hmm. It's North Ethiopian. Yes. You know what I mean like yeah. there's
0: a connection to the land yeah. in, a, in other countries in a way that like Americans can't even comprehend.
1: You know yeah. like or like, don't know they comprehend it in the sense that like so our romanticized vision of like the heartland or like the, the 50s, you know what I'm saying, this time of just this like great flourishing, why 9/11 is so important. It's like you don't realize that you are actually tied to this land, that you do feel an importance to this soil. The problem with um, uh, Americans is like, we just got to this soil. Like, I don't think we what, we, what we don't, what we're missing is like, we don't have a thousand year connection to this soil, like a native Americans do. You know what I'm saying? Like, like you said, like you move to the middle East and you're like, yeah, you're in Mazul, but you like Mazul's Nineveh. Like that's, that's Jonah, that's that's name, that's your Bible, like, that's how long they've been, this is what they know of, when we say, we're, they're like, so we're not, this isn't, this is go back to 1700s, it goes back to 1700s BC. It's, the, I mean?
0: it's why it's so ludicrous that, like, Americans are trying to insert themselves into, like, the Palestinian-Israeli conflict about, like, how yeah. to divide up the land two-state solutions, stuff like that, because, like, if you go to Bethlehem, which is in Palestine, like, I was staying with a F- Christian family there, and and uh, we were in like the this kind of valley outside, mm-hmm. uh, you know, on the so Bethlehem's up kind of on a hill, yeah. and so we're kind of in the in this uh, hillside valley, and uh, and I was like, how, you know, just to kind of get to know their family history and stuff like that. And I was like, how how long have y'all lived here? Mm-hmm. You know, well, our our ancestors were the shepherds, that this hillside <laughs> is where yeah we would have the flocks yeah. And back to the times of Christ, I was like, "Well, because they were, were Christians, like, how when did your family become Christian?" Like, well, our our family was the shepherds that were there at the birth of Christ. Yeah. And, so what do you mean? And we yeah. we've, we've been Christian since since that time. Yeah. And we've lived here since that time. A generation after generation has lived literally right here. Yes. Yeah, so
1: so since A. D.
0: One. So when <laughs> when now some politician is saying we're going to carve out that area and give it to another people group, and you yeah. got to move. They're like, no, like this for 900 years, literally our families lived in this house. Yeah. Generation would, the next generation would build a room onto the house.
1: Oh my gosh. Right? Yeah.
0: And then when the previous generation would pass away, they'd move into their room. And then yeah. the next generation would move into the next room. Yeah. And they would maybe move, like put, uh, they'd build up. Yeah. You know, like literally this physical structure has been yeah. in our family for. A thousand years, eight hundred years. That's crazy. And and like there's such a connection to the land and the structure, yeah. and this is my home. And as an American, it's like, okay, well, you know, I went to school in Oklahoma. I lived in Nashville yeah. for a little while. I yeah. live in Florida now. Like, yeah, it's all US, but it's like I can
1: move around. It's no big
0: deal. We have no connection to the world. No,
1: land. not like that. Yeah. Not
0: like not like the rest of the world, frankly. Yeah. You know, and so for a people group to be displaced or taken, mm-hmm. I mean, the the robbing of an identity yeah. is so much deeper than just you know, I think the, the white perspective was just like, you know, the reparations came up in the news not yeah. too long ago and stuff. Yeah. And like, it's almost like white Americans don't understand that like there was a piece of the humanity of an entire people group that was taken. Yeah. That we can never replace. Yeah. And it's like, we, as white, we can't comprehend that. Yeah. And that, like, but that's the reality of the majority of the world.
1: Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That's what's crazy. The more you travel, the more you're like, The rest of the world kind of looks like itself, like each other. Like we're the ones that, like, you just think you're going to these exotic places, but you're like, no, most of the world looks like this, like, and has existed much longer than ours. Yeah. You mentioned a new book, new album. Yes, I did. What's going on? So, uh, I thought to myself, you know, yeah, like anybody else, like I listened to the the Joel. Uh, so he used uh, of this one where he
0: was like having a midlife crisis last yeah. year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that,
1: right? <laughs> I lost DJ Effecto, I lost my best friend. Man. Um, he, y'all follow me, he passed away over Thanksgiving. Um, and there was, but at the time, before so before he passed, he was like transitioning from my DJ into like going into the Chef stuff, the humble bistro stuff that like a lot of my merch now has says humble bistro because it's in honor of him, because um, he was he was just an amazing cook, you know. And so there was this moment where we were kind of thinking, okay, he's transitioning, you know. I had got a new management team, which I love. Uh, the guys at humble beast, um, they were sort of transitioning, doing other things. Some of this, a lot of stuff's already public, like the the design part of humble beast they started a creative agency you know called nova nimbus and they're super talented but they're their own thing now you know braille's ceo or ceo of humble beast he's pastoring now you know what i'm saying so like thomas is pastoring you know so there's this like we're shifting this is 10 years of my life you know what i'm saying so like we're shifting a lot of things but the guttural part of me knew i wasn't done being an artist you know what i'm saying um but I was challenged to be like, "What do you want to talk about for the next ten years?" You know, if this—if this is your last ten years, what's the point of your work for the next ten years? Yeah, like, it's not your last ten years. You're just your next. 10 your years. next ten years. Yeah. yeah. Your last ten years was this. Yeah. Your next ten years is what. Right. So, I was like, dude. Okay, let's go in. You know what I mean? Lost your best friend. You got to think about something's different. Labels changing. What's your next ten years? So. I thought about, I think probably the same stuff you guys think about where it's just like, how do you get above the ground fray and see the world from space, like see culture from an orbital sort of perspective. Right. Um, And how can you speak into that to get people's eyes up here, right. To look back. So when you get back down at the soil level, you have a better understanding of what you're actually dealing with. Right. So the, uh, the so so it birthed the what I want to talk about for the next ten years that uh, I guess I'll I'll give you all the exclusive because <laughs> um, I've been kind of hitting towards it and part of it was the the trip to Ethiopia was part of that so um, it's just this idea of building a livable world right so in science fiction there's a word on when you, when you find a distant planet, that's how you have to make that planet live, A word's called terraforming, right? So terraform, right? So it's making the planet be able to su- support life, right? So I asked myself, what if we thought about that rather than geologically, we thought about it sociologically? What does it look like to build a livable world? Like if we got to start from scratch, hmm right, we were terraforming earth for each other. What would be the elements? What will we say? What will we need to look for? What will we talk about? What would we hope for the future, right? So, like, so, I'm, so that's, that's the idea. Let's build earth from scratch, right? Um, and we've developed, so I've developed, you know, seven poems, 20 songs, five essays, you know what I'm saying? So I've just been writing and recording and filming a bunch of things around the idea of terraforming, building a livable world.
0: Hmm.
1: Yeah. When's it coming out? Hmm? When's it coming out? We're going to start rolling out 2020. There's other music coming though, before that.
0: Yeah. You got to start dropping
1: some new stuff. It's coming. It's been coming. too long, man. I'm actually, I'm waiting on mixes. <laughs> that, oh, for real? It's yeah. Like at that point. I mean, you yeah. already recorded it. Oh yeah. There's so much. That, there's stuff this year. There's stuff coming this year. Yeah. Um, that was supposed to be last month but got pushed back <laughs> we'll get there uh, man I'm excited yeah appreciate man appreciate you
0: doing this conversation with me man this good alright yeah, man thanks prop my pleasure that was Propaganda make sure to check out his most recent album Crooked and keep your eye out for his upcoming new project also follow him on Twitter at Prop Hip Hop great feed Hey, if you like this episode of Unedited, I'd love your help spreading word about the show. Subscribing, rating, and reviewing it on Apple Podcasts helps a ton, as well as sharing it on social media. Come on, Instagram stories. Link to it, everybody. And you won't want to miss our next episode when I'm joined by speaker and author, Bianca Oltoff. Well, I'm Cameron Strang. Thank you for listening. I'll see you next time here on Unedited.
1: Relevant Podcast Network.